Welcome to The Vine, a plant media project podcast with your hosts, Elizabeth Sheldon and Gina Vensel. The Vine is an insightful look into the world of plant medicine, exploring the changing landscape around cannabis and psychedelics, and ending the stigma through educational discussions. The Vine podcast does not offer medical advice, nor condone any use of illegal substances. Consult your physician or therapist before making changes to your wellness plan and before trying alternative healing medicines. As 2022 comes to a close, this episode will feature a special founders chat to discuss how far we've come this year and what to expect in the year ahead. This year, PMP brought the documentary film Psychedelia to Pittsburgh and Harrisburg. We hosted the first Pennsylvania Education Day for Psychedelics at the Capitol Building in Harrisburg in June. And then in August, we produced in Theocon, an exploration of psychedelics, a day-long conference held in Pittsburgh, followed by Afterglow, which was an after party that I got to DJ. Super fun. You were awesome. <laughs> Thanks. We also produced over a dozen podcast episodes, psilocybin info sessions, and even led local medicine ceremonies. It's been an exciting year for PNP, and we're excited to chat with you a little bit about what's been happening since um, our last show. So hi, Elizabeth. Uh, it's been a while. Yeah, it's been <laughs> um, a while. Yeah. So just if you want to tell us a little bit about how you've been and, you know, if we want to even think about this in like the full year, you know, was there something that stood out to you as like the most memorable plant medicine experience uh, from this past year? All right. I'm going to tell you and then I'm going to uh, put the question right back at you. Uh, so I think uh, it's twofold for me. It was, you know, being with our psychedelic community in New York again and um, being with them and those connections and uh, doing the potluck dinner and having that experience, um, you know, more of a therapeutic sort of two-hour talk experience, and then taking what we've learned from our uh, elders in New York and producing an event here in Maryland locally. Um, so I think the theme for me is about community and how important that is. And I'm realizing more and more uh, how I gravitate towards uh, those in that safe community. So back at you. Yeah, I definitely feel that this has been the year for finding and broadening our community in whatever capacity that could mean. You know, I know locally um, I've joined um, the local SSDP chapter, which is the Students for Sensible Drug Policy, which you could be asking yourself, why would they want me, right? I mean, I've been out of college, you know, for over 20 years, but um, they're doing a local chapter uh, in Pittsburgh that's more of a community-based chapter. And so I've been able to work um, on some drug policy locally through SSDP um, and definitely, you know, along the uh, the policy angles, you know, working and doing volunteer work for Reason for Hope um, has been really rewarding to see, you know, how much the organization has grown within the past year. And I'd say also just having the opportunity to do marketing for Horizons Conference was just such an amazing experience. And um, being able to be a part of a conference that was 15 years in the running, you know, I mean, wow. that's a really long time. Uh, these were not new conversations that are happening, even though there's a lot of new psychedelic events popping up. So 15 years in, in New York on um, this October, and then in September, we did an event um, in Portland, Oregon at the Portland Art, Art Museum for Horizons Northwest. And just being able to have like an entire event 
dedicated around the changing landscape in psilocybin and what's happening, you know, in Oregon State um, was just so incredible. And I feel that, you know, really following those same lines of like our community is going to be more important than ever because things are moving and changing really rapidly within the space and having people that we can connect with that are like minded that we can trust and create kind of a network, um, I think is going to be really important moving into the year ahead for sure. And so when we were talking about um, New York, I just want to bring up a little funny story um, that you and I were there and uh, we happened into some of the shops along the street. And there are many throughout the city where they were selling psilocybin chocolate. <laughs> this right, is, right this is such a hoot, right? Because, you know, we talk a lot on the podcast about cannabis as well. And so we're looking at you know, New York State as, you know, it's butted right up against Pennsylvania. So of course, you know, them, uh, New York going legalized on can- adult use cannabis was like such a huge thing. But it's also, you know, this massive city that there's so much gray area uh, within the the city. So I believe what we were seeing and what were that these weren't any sort of licensed cannabis places. These were like bong shops and like CBD shops (laughs) that also were selling these things and it's happening. It's happening everywhere. And, um, I think that, you know, we tried it out for ourselves to see if it it was going to be legitimate or not. And, uh, went and walked right into a a place that was selling everything from, uh, bongs to rolling papers. Um, and, you know, asked them about THC products and they just went ahead and told us a whole row of products had THC in them. And, asked them about the mushies and they just showed us right to another, a whole nother shelf, didn't they? They did. And we, we read recently that maybe two of these shops have been shut down. So it just gives you pause, you know, with all this gray area, like there it is, it's out in the open, but is it legal? Right. And to be clear, it's not legal yet, guys. As excited as we are about um, all of this stuff moving forward, we have to take note that cannabis is still listed as a Schedule One drug in this country, even though what we have, what was it, over 40 states now that have, I think it was as of uh, 2022, 41 states um, that have medical programs and 23 of those who decriminalize cannabis or have full adult use programs. Yet the federal government is still saying that as a Schedule One drug, that cannabis has no medicinal qualities whatsoever. Um, and so we have that to deal with, you know, on a national level. Um, and so even in the state of New York, while they're moving towards adult use, that doesn't mean that what you're buying in a in a bong shop from a CBD store is going to be at all the quality of medicine that you would get from any of these licensed facilities. So let's take note of that. But then in addition, psilocybin still Schedule One too. I mean, I mean, as much as some of these research bills and things have come up, I mean, we have to make sure that we're being cautious um, because these drugs are still listed as federally illegal. So even if a, if a, if a location has decriminalized um, these compounds, doesn't mean that if you are caught buying or selling it that you couldn't get into trouble. We need to make sure that people are really clear on not getting too excited about seeing some of these policy changes and not having a full understanding that you still could very much get in trouble for, um, uh, you know, purchasing any kind of um, uh, cannabis or psilocybin that's outside of a regulated market or, a, or when it comes to psilocybin, it would be mostly in a clinical trial. But let's talk about the two 
sort of mainstay federal things that have happened um, with psilocybin and uh, cannabis. So there's been a, there's been a good bit. You want to start with the cannabis side or what? Uh, tell me about the cannabis side. Well, so cannabis side, I mean, uh, without, you know, saying anything too bad, it's been pretty lackluster with what we've seen from our president with what um, he said he would be willing to do. I mean, the whole, oh, we're going to, you know, expunge records and, you know, help all these, you know, cannabis convictions. Oh, yeah. Okay. Big announcement made, you know, Joe Biden's going to, you know, free all these cannabis prisoners. I know there weren't any from Pennsylvania that were let go. And that's even in our state, you know, the state said they were going to do expungements for cannabis. And it had such specific rules about the quantity in which you were caught with and things like that, that, you know, it's not as helpful. It's like more of a a media headline instead of something that's actually happening. I guess Biden has done one good thing for cannabis so far. Well, the research bill that Blumenauer um, introduced is going to allow institutions now to look at the medicinal qualities and it, it sort of opened that up. So I always love to shout out to Blumenauer because he is leading this charge and, you know, he got something done. That's great. Um, I got to meet him, Elizabeth. Oh, um, yeah, because he was at Horizons Northwest and um, he was one of our speakers and he welcomed in the one day and I got to kind of walk him from his car up through the back of the facility and had some moments with him. And I told him about some of the work that we were doing and um, around policy and advocacy. And he said, you know, it really takes everyone coming together and that everyone on the ground has to show and speak up that these things are important to them. Because if they're not, I mean, it's going to be the people that have to vote for, you know, legislators that are going to care about this. And then it's also going to be folks that when it can appear on your ballot to actually go out and vote, um, I think in Maryland, Which we you did got, in Maryland. I was going to say, you're really, use. you're really lucky. I'm a little jelly, uh, Elizabeth, because not only could you have it on Ask your it. ballot in Maryland, which it got passed for cannabis adult use in Pennsylvania, we can't do that because we're a Commonwealth. So it'll never, ever, cannabis will never be on a ballot for us to ever vote for. See, the only way that we're going to see any changes in my home state would be that with these new elected officials going into office in next year, that maybe they will bring these things back up. But it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a while I still feel on the federal level if all we can get at this point is is research to right. be considered, right? Right. right. You- so then there's also the Congressional Psychedelics Advancing Clinical Treatments Caucus, PACT, um, that is going to uh, allow clinical research on psychedelics. I mean, that's an, that's that's pretty huge. I think that's it's huge. It's not going to advocate for legalization, but it's it's saying we want to open this up and look at it and see if, if this might help um, with PTSD and depression and some other, you know, ailments where we're not able to help people. And when we talked at the beginning of the episode about um, having worked with um, Pat Murphy and his documentary, Psychedelia, uh, now it's available on streaming platforms. So, you know, when we first started working with him, we had to, we brought it to several small independent theaters, but now you can actually watch it online. And I encourage our listeners to do so because what it does is it gives you a really good understanding of how much research was being done on psychedelics um, prior to like in, in, you know, 
in the past and how much before the war on yeah, drugs. before the war on drugs, you know, came into effect. And so I think it's important for us to realize a lot of this was happening and a lot of really good research um, was coming out and it was just halted. It just came right. to a screeching halt. And so by us having this pact now, it's exciting to say, okay, we realize that there is a lot that we need to be looking into still on these things. And our federal government is saying now's the time to really start that research back up again. I think it's an exciting, it's an exciting time because definitely state by states are trying to take, you know, their own initiatives on this, um, as we saw in Oregon and in Colorado. Um, and it, the fact that we could have some federal support um, backing this is going to be really imperative in the movement, in my opinion. Also, there's some stuff happening in PA. You, you, um, talked to me earlier sort of uh, about the cannabis grower who's been given permission to grow psilocybin mushrooms. So what's up with all of that? You know, I, I think it's just so exciting. I mean, you know, there, there's, um, especially from a marketing perspective where, you know, Pennsylvania is like the capital of mushrooms and who knew yeah, this, right? Capital. You know, like the mushroom capital of the country. And so, um, what does that mean? Well, it means that a lot of natural occurring uh, mushrooms are, are, are here. And there's also growers that are here, I think, in Kennett Square, which is north of Philadelphia, is considered, you know, the place where most of the, the mushrooms you would buy in the grocery store or whatever would even come from. So what does this mean for Pennsylvania? Well, it means that our state's considering um, the medicinal qualities and allowing, um, and there was a, a farmer, I believe in York, Pennsylvania, that was given um, permission to go ahead and start growing uh, psilocybin. And then the, this particular medicine would be used. And what we're hoping will be a program that we could emulate closely to what happened in Connecticut, um, where, you know, the psilocybin assisted therapies would become available not only to veterans, first responders and their families, which is what we first were fighting for in PA, but in Connecticut, it's also for those that may not be able to afford uh, this sort of treatment otherwise. And a big point in, of discussion within our community is, you know, how are we going to have these medicines be accessible to people. And, you know, we don't want to fall into a situation where all of a sudden now only the richest people can get this type of healing. And what can that look like? And how can we make sure that people, um, all different types of people would have access to this? So I'm crossing our fingers that this year with now our newly elected officials in place in PA that we'll be able to move forward and hopefully emulate the bill that we've seen in Connecticut. And I'm going to continue to volunteer my time with uh, Reason for Hope, which is doing great work um, in this field and has worked a lot um, on federal um, movements as well. So we're just going to keep an eye on this and we'll be sure to be talking about this and how it's going to unfold a lot into our episodes in 2023. So talking about events, you are working on a very large event and um, <laughs> maybe let's talk a little bit about that. Let's talk a little bit about it. Okay. So I, you know, the horizons conferences, I was definitely, you know, helping out and on the team for that. And then I'm really excited um, to have the opportunity to be on the marketing team uh, with momentum. Now that's going to be the producers of maps, psychedelic science, 2023. So maps has put on, um, this will be their fourth psychedelic science event. Um, and they're slating this to be the largest gathering in psychedelic, 
history. So it's like ah, 10,000 people in Denver, Colorado in June, um, June 19th through the 23rd. It's a week-long event. We'll have community programming events the weekend before and after. We'll have classes and workshops the first couple days. And then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, there will be seven stages worth of content in a massive expo hall um, that's really just going to be focused around so many different amazing organizations and companies in this um in this movement right now. And so if you are interested in getting involved, I definitely would suggest you check out psychedelicscience.org. And you can and click can anybody attend? Any, Gina, you anyone. We want them. anyone and everyone. I mean, I would love for, you know, the clinicians and the folks that are looking to come get CE credits um, and really get educated. I want there will be tons of content for folks that are really educated in this space already that are looking for advanced knowledge. And then I want the folks that are just curious, you know, of learning more because there's going to be a lot of introductory pro uh, content for folks that are just starting in the space that are just enthusiasts in the space. Um, and there's going to be a lot of like ancillary program put on by our community partners. So anyone that's going to be in the city of Denver uh, in June will have an opportunity to participate and connect with the psychedelic community for sure. And it's a massive event. And since we'll be out there for the full week, momentum's also doubling up. And we're going to do a co-located event called the Mushroom Summit, Cultivating the Future of Functional Mushrooms. So we're taking the psychedelic mushrooms, we'll be discussed a little later in the week, and then Monday, Tuesday of that week at the Colorado Convention Center, we'll be focused on all medicinal mushrooms and functional mushrooms and what the future of that's going to hold. Uh, and you can go to mushroomsummit.com to learn more about that event. Uh, but we have scholarships available. Um, there's still some speaking spots, which we're getting really close to the end of that. So if you're interested in speaking, Speaking. If you're interested in being a media partner or if you have an organization that wants to get involved, definitely check out the website, click on participate. And there's various different ways from being a creative to being an organization that you can get involved in the event. And we really hope to just see as many of our friends as possible out there um, as we talked about the community being so important. And after the pandemic, we realized that gathering in person is very special. I mean, we can do Zooms all day, but it's not going to have the same impact um, as us gathering together. So hoping that folks will will get their uh, registrations in. And if you need any promo codes or check out our community partners because they're promoting a lot of discounts. So don't pay full price. Uh, connect with one of our partners and, and you can get yourself out there uh, to Denver and be a part of this monumental event in psychedelic history. So um, if we go back to Horizons and sort of talk about our favorite pieces and maybe you can talk a little bit more about um, just the event itself. I just have to put in there that Sarah Rose's drug test <laughs> show was once again a huge highlight for me and I laughed continuously um, that it, she is so clever and she she reads our industry and and you know, uh, sometimes the truth, uh, even though it's ugly, can be very funny. Um, so there was just so much there. I encourage, I don't know if people can go back and watch, can they? I, I think that she may put them up on our website. And, and you want to check out um, the drug test uh, by Sarah Rose Siskin. She was uh, on our podcast um, in the past and just a really 
excellent comedian that hits home on a lot of the issues in our community that we have to laugh at ourselves about. And so yes, uh, the do. Psychedelic Variety Show was one of the um, after events to the Horizons New York uh, and at the Caveat Theater. And she does it almost monthly. Um, so if you have not checked out one of Sarah Rose's shows, definitely check it out if you're in the psychedelic space and you're in New York City. And she also streams them. You can, because we've watched several of them from our homes. Um, so you can also stream them, the caveat shows. But I agree. I mean, sometimes the the content can be really heavy at Horizons. Yeah. And so after a full day of knowledge and really like intense conversations, it was so great to be able to go to, to her show and just kind of poke fun a little bit at, uh, you know, the community itself and how um, we take ourselves pretty seriously sometimes. And so it was really <laughs> great to <laughs> to have a, a have a conversation about you know how we can't we need to have some fun too in this space it can't all be too too serious um, but so highlights so. for me I'd say that probably my highlight from the Horizons Northwest event was getting to meet Paul Stamets um, mm. and getting to really share some space with him and get to speak with him um, I thought that his talk. Um, was fantastic. And I mean, I expected, you know, he's, he, he's so in love with the topic and he's such an amazing person that I expected that he um, would give a good talk. Um, what I didn't expect was how absolutely personable he was. Um, wow. He did stick around and sign um, books for folks afterwards. And he really was just so genuine with everybody that he met. And so I thought that that was really great to get to meet someone that you just hear so much about, but how are they really, you know, when it comes to dealing with the general public and the community and how they're going to behave. And, um, you know, it was just really great getting to talk to him about that. And he had this, uh, this moment where he talked about what, um, when he was on one of the panels and was saying, you know, that there, you know, there are any kinds of research that you, that hasn't happened yet that you hope would happen with psilocybin. And he mentioned about how he'd like to see research done about the way that psilocybin affects our sense of taste. Oh. And that no one had really talked about that. And then he went into this like beautiful story about how he had been on a journey um, and he was like laying outside and underneath the trees in this beautiful day. And his beloved put a uh, fresh um, strawberry in his mouth while he was consumed. And he said that the burst of the juices of the strawberry tasted like so fantastic and he could almost taste the colors of it and all of this. And, you know, that there really hasn't been any research done on how our brain may be affected when psilocybin is consumed and how it can affect our sense of taste. So I thought that was interesting. And I hope there's some researcher out there that was in the audience that was like, I want to, I, let's look I'm into that. I want to take that on. Um, so that was really cool. And then I would say probably my highlight for Horizons New York would have been Victor Cabral's talk uh, on that Sunday, um, which was like the final day of the conference. You know, I'd been there for a full week doing so much, setting things up. And then Victor, who is also from Pennsylvania and, and does some, you know, some volunteer work with me and I've got to know him personally. He's also the director of policy at Fluence. So, and, I, and he was just on our uh, podcast, episode 70, where we had him on and kind of talking. He's just such an amazing person. He has documentaries working on and all of this. But to have him, a BIPOC individual up on stage, talking about how before we can talk about any kind of like letters next to his name and all the different things that he's done, you know, he wanted to remind everybody that at the end of the day, he's still seen as a black person or a BIPOC person. And when we're going to talk about wanting to heal and we can't get too caught up in like all of these, 
you know, psychedelics is going to change the world. It's going to heal everybody without us talking about systemic racism and the facts that, you know, if we don't talk about people that don't have access to food or water or basic necessities, we can't really start talking about wellness. And the fact Mm -hmm. that he used the space and used his time on stage to really like speak to like members of the BIPOC community in the audience in a way that I just felt was so impactful. And for anybody that is interested in any of these talks, Horizons has released all of them for free on the Horizons PBC YouTube channel. So you can go back and watch um, Victor's talk. And he goes into a spoken word uh, poetry piece that will just, I mean, it standing ovation in the audience. Everybody immediately wow. jumped to their feet and I feel like sometimes, you know, the difficult conversations, the ones that make us the most uncomfortable are the ones that we really need to have more often. And as we think about how even sitting with a plant medicine, um, if when we call having like challenging experiences or bad trips, those are really us working through the, the darkness that we have to in order to heal. And so I think even as a movement, we have to be comfortable with sitting with that uncomfortability um, and how important it's going to be in order for us to build this movement the way that we want. We can't just expect that everything is going to be perfect. And we have to acknowledge that we there's a lot of things that we have to deal with that are beyond just the psychedelics themselves. Um, we have to start about how we're going to care about each other as humans. And I feel like, you know, that includes like basic human rights, like making sure people have access to water and and food and shelter. And it just seems remiss to, if we don't talk about that, how can, you know, we can't really be talking about whole health and wellness. So yeah, definitely encourage people to check out um, Horizons PBC YouTube so you can watch all the the talks and uh, definitely comment and reach out to those speakers that that you feel made an impact because they're doing so much work. So many of these folks in the space are doing just thankless work and putting themselves and their reputations out there um, in order to, to move this, this movement forward. And, you know, just a simple little message note on LinkedIn or a tweet to just say, you matter, you know, what you're doing matters to me, I think can go a long way because this is a lot of thankless work from a lot of important people in our community. Um, I so appreciate that. And um, it, it, so well said, well spoken. And I wanted to, to talk with you because you and I have both talked, you know, on this show about, you know, integration and the importance of harm reduction. And I just wanted to make sure that we touched on those because I feel like yeah. it's just a conversation that continuously needs to happen. Um, I know that you had, I want to say you went to a silo health integration and, and it was a FEMA one and you found that to be so helpful. helpful. I, I found it. Yes. And it was a, a mix of, you know, all ages, um, all different backgrounds. Um, so that integration was very important. And I think that talking about harm reduction recently, uh, another, uh, you know, child uh, we lost to a fentanyl overdose. That's happened a lot this year. And um, I have a can of Narcan that sits on my desk and that's not really doing any good. I need to carry it with me. We need to uh, talk about access for people to test their drugs. Um, and uh, yeah, and I'd, I'd love to hear you are very aware of the subject yeah. and work with a lot of different people. 
And I was talking to to someone in the harm reduction space about there's kind of like this old school, old heads like, oh, I never tested my drugs before. And look at me. I survived. Like right. I had just trusted my dealer. And so why can't I just trust them now? And like it's so much more beyond that now. And you have to realize that it's not about just, you know, uh, believing that your supplier gave you good drugs. It's about the fact it could be contaminated. Um, And so we have to really stand up for each other and say that, first of all, drug testing kits, fentanyl testing, strokes, Narcan should be legal in every county across the nation. And that is not the case. In many places, um, even having Narcan could be seen as having paraphernalia. Um, In Pennsylvania, it was just that. I mean, just recently, thank goodness, the folks at the PA Harm Reduction Network did such a fantastic job um, to get this now legalized to the fact where if, you know, if I would get pulled over and I had fentanyl testing strips in the car, um, you know, I wouldn't get into any kind of trouble. So we we are working, you know, there are groups like PA Harm Reduction Network that's doing great work to get that to happen. Um, Dance Safe um, has created a new type of fentanyl testing strip that is going to be much easier to use. Use. Um, and so, you know, again, supporting organizations like DanSafe and purchasing um, the drug testing kits um, and then just having them available. So if you know that people in your community need them, um, offering them up to folks, letting them know that you're a safe person to talk to about it, letting them know that they're, we need to end the stigma around the f- testing drugs. Like, yes, you should test your drugs. If you're going to be a drug user, we have to recognize that not all of the medicine is going to be good medicine, right? And um, so we have to be, you know, aware of that. Um, I also think that as we start talking about harm reduction, we have to think of some of the like basic types of harm reduction. If you're hosting a party, there has to be access to water for people to drink. There, ha- there should be a place that's a quiet space for people to go where they can get fresh air or get away from loud music. Um, making sure that we have a f- space for people, if they're having a challenging experience on site in an event, that they're not immediately canceled. Um, they should be met with care instead of just kicked out of the venue. If they get kicked out of the venue and they're overconsumed, now there's the chance they could hurt themselves, hurt someone else, or go to jail. If this is one of your friends that they're at a party and they've overconsumed, help them, support yeah. them, call them out, check them, like, you know, don't just cancel them. Um, and I feel like that's going to be a big part of this is that, you know, if, if you support, you know, drug policy reform and you support, you know, drugs in any capacity, the, the harm reduction conversation needs to be an important one. And I want to give a shout out to Maryland. Um, there is, uh, you know, they have a department now where you can literally go and pick up fentanyl strips and they um, bend over backwards, you know, please tell your friends to come um, and and take what we have. It's on offer. So, um I agree. It's knowing, uh, having your community so that you can go to someone, you can come to Gina and I and say, you know what, can you connect me in a community? Wherever you are in the country, we'll try to do it. Um, Psychedelic.support, we talk about them. We talk to Allie uh, on the podcast. You can put in your zip code and it will tell you where psychedelic therapists are, you know, in your community. Empathic yeah, Health we, is another great community. Um, yeah. uh, Douglas Finkelstein has also been on our podcast and, and uh, 
produced in Theocon with us has really created a very safe space for community, for folks to support one another. So we feel like, you know, if we want to do broad strokes about how, you know, PMP wants to be supportive of this movement, we want to make sure, one, that harm reduction is being discussed and that we're not, you know, that we're making sure that all of our listeners understand that, you know, we believe that everyone has their own right to heal in whatever capacities, but these drugs are illegal and we have to ensure that we understand what we're doing before we dive into these compounds. For example, there was a gentleman that came to our psychedelic club meeting and said that he was interested in trying psilocybin. And he had said that he was on a mixture of different medications. Thank goodness there was someone in our community that asked him which medications he was on. He then proceeded to explain that he takes lithium. Well, we learned that lithium is deadly combination with psilocybin. So yeah. if someone in the community would just said, okay, yeah, go ahead, try psilocybin, it's fine. You know, oh, you can get magic mushrooms from the line cook at your, your restaurant. That's not okay for everyone. There are lots of things when you're on medications with how they can interact and seeing doctors, finding pharmacists that are in this space, finding partners um, in your community that can help you get this information is imperative because it's not healthy to just stop taking all of your medicines without weaning off of some of them. It's not healthy to mix medicines with others. So there's a lot of education we have to do internally with ourselves before we start going down these plant medicine journeys. And, and, and as Elizabeth mentioned, psychedelic.support is a fantastic resource. Empathic Health is a great resource. If you find yourself having a challenging experience, you or a friend, you can always go to Fireside Project. Um, right. You can call or text them. It's 62 Dash Fireside. They're open every day, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m. Pacific time. You can learn more about them at firesideproject.org. But they are a free hotline that you could text or email. And you can also, if you're a veteran or a BIPOC person, LGBTQ, they'll even connect you with one of their volunteers that's in your community so you can even feel safer. And so they're, you're not alone. None of this, you have to be alone. We can be in this together. Like Elizabeth said, you know, if you in your, in your community and you do not feel like you have any resources, reach out to us and we will connect you with some of the partners that we know um, because you're not in this alone. And an important piece of not only that harm reduction would be that integration. And you talked a little bit about silo health and attending one of those integration. And I right. just, I wanted to see if you could maybe talk a little bit about why is that helpful and why you felt that that was helpful to you. So through an experience, you know, different thoughts come up um, and, um, you know, each one is different. And I had a particular um, experience that felt uh, there were just some difficult issues. And so being able to go to a group and say, hey, this is what happened um, and to hear from a therapist and other group members like, oh, this is probably what was going on and and this is another way to think about it and uh, help me process through that issue. Um, to be honest with you, I can't remember exactly what it was. So that means that it is gone from my, you know, anything that worries me or is, is a burdensome. Um, and, but I have a distinct feeling on, you know, being met in this group with like-minded people 
who were able to support me um, with an issue that just came up. And I was really looking, as you know, I was like, okay, you know, I, I need to talk to somebody about this. And you're like, well, let's go to, you know, one of our community members who has this integration um, and it's available at no charge. Um, That's right. That's right. Yeah. And there's a lot of these different groups. I mean, I know TAM integration does them every single month. Some of them are for women only. Silo Health has them yes. every month. Right. Um, and then I would recommend going to meetup.com and just typing in psychedelics and your city name. Uh, that's how many people find our psychedelics club in Pittsburgh um, is that they just find us on meetup um, or you can search for different groups on social media um, and see if there's anyone in your community directly. But if not, a lot of these, like Elizabeth was talking about with Silo, they're done online. So you can live anywhere right. in the country and jump on these you know, discussions where you're met with people that are coming to hold space for you, that are coming to share their experience, and they're being met with a lot of um, just trust. Ever all these um, integration groups that I've 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 attended and participated in, I feel like I can I can really be authentic and be honest because um, there are a lot of folks in our community that if you know, they cannot allow anyone in their job to know that they have any connection to the psychedelic community. And so there is a lot of trust that we need to have and really hold that sacred when someone comes to you and wants your support. Just recognize that, you know, people are coming from different positions. Elizabeth and I get people that tell us, we wish we could like your posts on social media, but we can't, we can't let anyone know that we're even following what you are working on and what you're doing. And that's okay. We understand that this is still very beginning of this movement. And, you know, we want to grow and work through these things together. And we think that community is an important piece of that. Um, you know, having the right set and setting on your dose day, having the integration to follow. Um, these are, you know, important things and sometimes easier said than done. So if met with challenges during those experiences, you know, consider Plant Media Project, you know, one of the partners or one of the tools in your toolkit um, that if you need resources that we're here for you, because this is going to be exciting and very big year for cannabis and psychedelics in 2023. And I think we need to lean on one another in community um, for support. Yes, indeed. And lean on us. Exactly. Exactly. Any final thoughts uh, to close out the year, Elizabeth? No, just thankful, grateful for you and for the community and for all the great people who are doing amazing work uh, to allow us to have these conversations and uh, to move the research and the science forward. Um, thankful, grateful. And I'm thankful and grateful for you as well, Elizabeth. There's, you know, for the crazy ways in which we originally got connected to where we are now, I feel like it's been a, a wild and amazing journey. And I just look yes. forward to what's in store for us in the future. So I want to thank each of our listeners for joining us uh, for another episode of The Vine. And for cannabis and psychedelic news, you can visit us online at plantmediaproject.com. Together, we can end the stigma around cannabis and psychedelics. Mm-hmm.